Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of All Queued Up, your review podcast tied to streaming services like HBO Max, Disney Plus, uh, Netflix, what have you. Uh, I'm your host, Greg Gates, and with me always is Maya Don Fisher. How's your week been? Uh, it's been a week. For um, for the most part, it's been pretty good. Uh, you know, doing a little painting. Uh, picked up my first ever Warhammer miniature. Uh, I'm going to enter it into a painting contest this month. Uh, most of the way done with the base coat on it. I'm going with a different paint scheme than what's traditional for this type of piece because, you know, it's not a Warhammer painting competition. It's just a painting competition. And I don't, the only rules are it's got to be painted with at least three different colors and it's got to be based. Well, it's going to be based and it's already got four different colors on it and more to come. So, yeah, I'm not beholden to the Warhammer lore, although I think it's a cool universe and everything. I'm not beholden to it. I know next uh, to nothing about Warhammer. Well, I don't know much. But I know they make some incredible fucking models, but they're expensive oh, yeah. as fuck. <laughs> they're incredibly expensive compared to the miniatures that I normally buy, which you have to build them. And this piece, it was like 50 some pieces for a little two inch miniature. Um, but it's it's a mech and it has like four different arms that you can construct and you can use a combination of any two sets of arms. It's got two different left arms, two different right arms, uh, optional missile boxes for the top that you can launch onto it, a smoke grenade canister uh, that you can put on top of it, an optional uh, faction flag that you can put on it if you want to. Uh, it's just lots of options and really customizable and everything. So I get why it's a higher price point, but Games Workshop themselves sells the model for 60 bucks on their website, and I paid 40 for it on Amazon, but I know it costs only average 50 bucks, and I was just like, Jesus, for one model. <clears throat> but, you know, hey, I've got one of those credit cards, so. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um Got back to playing D and D last night. Playing on Foundry Virtual Tabletop now, and we've had a month off uh, since we last played. And I've got Foundry down enough to where I've got it functioning to where it serves the basic functions and some of the other cool features, but not all of the cool features I've wanted to implement yet. But it just felt good to get back to playing last night, uh, back in the swing of things. And yeah, you know, <laughs> the first two hours were spent just getting you guys acclimated to it and everything and i think it's not going to be the as bad of a transition or as awkward of a transition to a new system as initially feared uh all around so that's a good thing well doing doing um, new things is always a little bit like it's always going to have that kind of that uh -oh, feeling of any ease that that feeling of any ease yeah mm -hmm, yeah so, but yeah, um, watched football. Uh, unfortunately, the Kansas City Queefs are going to the Super Bowl. Fuck them. As a card carrying member of Raider Nation, I fucking can't stand the Queefs. 
Um, <clears throat> you know, I was wanting Cincinnati to go back, but they just couldn't pull it out this time. Uh, deadlock the fact that the Eagles are going. I mean, no offense to 49ers fans, and I know you guys are big 49ers fans that I play that I play with our, our weekly game nights and uh dude it was it was it was crazy that the Niners even made it to the fucking playoffs in the first place after our second string got injured to bring in Brock Purdy our third string and he was just like he was killing it and then like kids amazing his arm yeah oh yeah absolutely and then his arm got fucked his arm got on on a play fucked. on a play that didn't look that bad but it ripped yeah. a fucking ligament in his elbow on that yep. play. And that's why he couldn't come back in. And they just, when you go to a fourth string quarterback, ooh, that's usually not good. Yeah, that's not good. But, oh, um, oh, and Tom Brady, Tom Brady officially retired this morning. So, I yes, that. fuck him. Fuck him. I hate him so much. There's no chance that he's going to the Raiders. Thank God. Um, because I would have, I would have fucking turned in my Raider Nation card if that had happened. I would have. I'd be like, until this motherfucker's gone, I'm not a Raider. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, it's just things have been kind of chill here. Um, tomorrow's Groundhog's Day, and I have my. My final session with my therapist of the past two and a half years, she's she's not retirement age. She's only in her early 50s, but she's got two brand new grandchildren that are less than a year old, and she wants to spend time with them. So she's taking a minimum of a year off, so it's like an early retirement thing. So I'm going to Abingdon tomorrow to have my final in-person therapy session with her because one, insurance requires I go once every six months in person. And it's been roughly six months since my last in-person visit. But, you know, I actually want to see her. It's also her birthday. I'm also meeting her, my new therapist, which is going to be her replacement during the session. So looking forward to that. But, yeah. Other than that, things have been pretty chill. Um, been colder than hell. <laughs> I was like, for California, it's been pretty fucking cold, too. It hasn't gone above... 55 in like, and that's, I know that's fucking one day, sunny and warm for you guys. But One day last week, last Wednesday, when we recorded, and I actually, I had to go out and get some lab work done uh, for my labs, uh, give some blood for my labs. It was 60 fucking degrees here, and I was just like, oh, it feels wonderful. The next day it was 28 and it hasn't been above 28 to 32 degrees in like a solid week now. Yeah. <clears throat> well, how's your week been? Busy. My boss went on vacation Saturday. And he won't be back until this upcoming Monday. Um, so I've had to go into work every single day. Um, so you're working Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday before you get a day off. Correct. Ew. Uh, yeah, granted, Monday through Friday, I only work half days, but they're offset between open and close. So, so Monday, Monday I open, open, Tuesday I close. Wednesday I open, Thursday I close. Yeah, so that's just like... Uh, but Fridays all day open to close, though, right? Not this week, no. I only go in half Oh, day 
Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. But you yeah. do have to do open to close Saturday and Sunday. Likely. Very likely. I'll I'll see what Linda wants to do because we'll see how we'll see what the schedule is. We'll see what we have coming back because he put a big old question mark on Sunday, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Saturday is open to close. But that's because it's yeah. gonna be busy. It's it's right after the first, everyone's moving, so yeah, yeah. But, Saturdays are always traditionally the busiest work day for something like a U-Haul. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, is like other than other than Monday, I'm usually busy Tuesdays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm doing something around the house. I'm doing chores. I'm doing something I need to do. And so I've had like yesterday. I get up. I do a couple things around the house that I normally do. Go to work. Come home at five, and like I get to warm up some some microwavable burritos, and then we were playing. Um, and I didn't get offline until I had to go to bed. So then I woke up this morning, went to work, and then had to rush home because we were trying to record because I have to go grocery shopping and like a couple hours from now. So yeah, so I think and usually this is also the day you traditionally do laundry as well. No, no, I do that Thursdays. Oh, you do it. On I would Thursdays do it Wednesdays now. if I worked. I would do it. I would do it Wednesdays if I worked Thursdays. Mm. But, um, but I am doing laundry tonight because. I'm kind of out of clothes. I hear you. Uh, when you're big and everything costs a fucking arm and a leg when it comes to clothes, you don't have a lot. Um, I can't afford things like that. I can only afford things that cost an arm. <laughs> you mean a leg? No, the leg's not there. I can't pay with a leg anymore. I can only pay with an arm. You can pay with one leg. No, I don't have it to spare. <laughs> well, that depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah so it's just been it's just been exhausting and oh oh my gosh and then like i don't have a car and my but like friday afternoon i'm talking to my boss and i'm like hey so my dad and i are doing this car and he goes hang on he calls like the landlord of the place the guy who owns where we are he's like mm-hmm. you're still trying to get rid of that car and he was like, yeah. He goes, how much? So basically the guy's going to give me a an Acura that has 160,000 miles um, for free as long as I pay the licensing fee. Holy shit. But that's not just licensing. I have to have it smogged. I have to have it registered. I have to have it insured. So it's not just like I get a car and start driving it immediately. You know what I mean? But I don't have to pay payments on it. You know, we're not paying like, at, you know, hand over fist on that shit still you know uh, that should be you should be able to take care of that relatively quickly and that's awesome yeah yeah so i got that on my mind and then my boss was like hey just so you know between us when i get back i'm gonna start going through the motions to shut down this place and really how long is that gonna take because my little brother went to the house that i'm supposed to be moving into he got there yesterday as of recording this. So that's on my mind. Ugh. I'm exhausted. <laughs> a big, a big selfish part of me wishes you could just, if you're going to move halfway across the country, just wish you could just come the rest of the way and come here. <laughs> well, I, 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 I ain't going to lie, but I know you got to be there for your parents. True. Um, but it is dirt cheap to live here. <laughs> yeah compared to what you're used uh, to 
I was gonna say yeah, because yeah. But um, my only like solace from the stress is playing video games or watching certain shows, which is my perfect segue into our reviewing what we're reviewing today. Um, you yeah, forgot so to say playing D and D video games or watching certain shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I so Xbox on Thursday. I think it was Thursday. I don't remember the day. I want to say it was Thursday. Had this big um, sort of direct where they were talking about five different games. Three games that are already out but have expansions coming to them. One game that is coming out called Redfall where it's like it's the game is stylized. It's by the same developers as uh, um, Dishonored, I think is the name of the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with Dishonored. Yeah, uh, and um, but it's it's vampires. They say it's kind of like a mix between uh, it's or it's more in line with what Far Cry is. But the way that they presented it, it's like level based, where you can go in with four of the players or three of the hmm. players with you. I don't know. It looks cool, but they surprised everybody because the developers of the game The Evil Within just shadow dropped the same day a game called Hi-Fi Rush, which is a rhythm-based um, rhythm based action-adventure game. Oh, I think I've seen the previews for that. When you use your weapon and you're hitting it in time with the rhythm of the music, you're doing more damage. Oh, that's cool. Um, and some, like, if you do heavy attacks, you have to be offbeat. So that kind of works in that. Um and I got to play maybe an hour of it so far because I've just been so busy. And I'm like, I want to get back to it really bad. But there's just so much on my plate. And I really, I'm really happy that I, I get to a little bit of time to, to watch these shows at least. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So we're going to of us. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about episode four, five, and six of Vox Machina season two. Um, so, if yeah. you have that ready, Maya, why don't you go ahead and do a synopsis for me? I do, I do. Uh, I'm just going to do like a brief rundown of all three, like I did last week. Uh, just how it flows in. So, episode four is called "Those Who Walk Away." Episode five is called "Pass Through Fire," and episode six is called "Into Rhinecleft." Um. But it opens up, episode four does, we see a flashback of Vax, a younger Vax saving Vax from imprisonment at a bandit camp. And while hiding, they come across a dying bear, which Vax puts down to end her suffering. They then find her cub, which they bring with them when escaping, and Vax names it Trinket. So we see how they got Trinket, uh, which was cool. Yeah. Uh, in the present, we see the team basically putting all their efforts to magically revive Vex fail while Vax is starting to see a vision of the matron of Ravens preparing to take Vex's soul. Vax offers his own life in, in exchange for Vex's. Vex suddenly comes back to life, which Cash takes credit for, and Vax is left wearing the Deathwalker's ward, the, uh, the uh, vestige that they had been searching for. And as they're leaving the temple, Zara summons an uncontrollable monster which petrifies, and it's petrifying the team one by one. 
Vax begins to have visions that he's on a battlefield fighting the Matron's champion as the monster starts to turn the group to stone only until he and Cash are left. After surrendering to death in the vision, Vax unlocks abilities from the Vestige, which allow him to single-handedly kill the monster while Cash restores the others. Upon escape, Zara apologizes and departs with Cash. Vax sees another vision of the Matron taking the soul of a dying man. He then tells Vax about his visions. And let me just say, that scene where Vax is just taking on that creature was in fucking credible you know, Percy's always been my favorite, but I think Vax is like right there neck and neck with him now for my favorite. Yeah, I get that. Uh, but, you know, and then that carries on into the next episode that opens with a flashback and we see Keyleth's mother, Vilya, explaining to a young Keyleth the connection between the air and the fire elements before she depart- departs on her Aramante. Or Aramante. Because this show does an excellent job of like, hey, so would you like a little bit of foreshadowing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in the present, we see the team come across uh, come, uh, come across an under-attack Pyra, the Fire Ashari settlement, which guards the Fire Plane Rift. They find Keyleth's father, as well as Allura and Kima, who has explained their escape from Amon that they had originally sealed Thordak away in the fire plane. Thordak's escape tore open the rift, and fire elementals have been attacking ever since, leaving Pyra to be overwhelmed by the endless tide of creatures. Keyleth initially struggles, but recalls her mother's words and passes through the rift, and on the other side, she transforms into a giant fire being and closes the tear. The fire Ashari leader blesses her mastery of air and fire. She is yet to master water and earth. Allura and Kima stay behind to continue helping the Ashari, but then we'll head to Whitestone. Anna Ripley, using a magical orb, has been observing Vox Machina. Ripley informs Umbrasil, who has conquered Westeroon, of Vox Machina's plan to fight the Chroma Conclave. A group of Goliaths are also seen in Westeroon. That was the end of Episode 5. In Episode 6, into Rhymecleft. Uh... It opens up with Grog having a nightmare where he's endlessly killing people with his sword, Craven Edge, including the rest of Vox Machina. Following Vax's vision, the group heads into Rhymecliff to find Osis's mate, uh, Kamala Jury. agrees to grant them more knowledge of the vestiges if Vox Machina, can, Vox Machina can successfully complete a challenge of their choosing. Of the options, they settle on the Wound Him Challenge. Kamala Jory easily defeats all but Scanlan, who plays a heartfelt song about the love between Kamala Jory and Asissa and their longing while separated. This emotionally wounds Kamala Jory, so he bestows Scanlan the mythical vestige, the myth carver vestige. The sword gives Scanlan visions of other vestiges, a bow hidden within the Fey Realm, and a pair of gauntlets with the Goliaths in Westrobe. The visions are disrupted by Umbrasil's surprise attack. In the ensuing battle, Umbrasil mortally wounds Kamala Jory and takes Mythcarver. Keyleth prepares a shift spell to allow them to flee the, to the Fey Realm. However, Grog has become consumed by his sword's bloodlust and accidentally impales Pike, which snaps him out of it. As Keyleth finishes the spells, Umbrasil disrupts it enough to split the party, and only Keyleth, Percy, and the twins make it successfully to the Fey Realm, leaving the whereabouts of Pike, Scanlan, and Grog unknown. And that's where it ended. Uh, 
and holy shit, just incredible fucking storytelling. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, it's it's so much fucking fun. Like we have we have awesome Keyleth backstory. We have this growing mm-hmm. thing with the fucking Craven's Edge and Grog. And and you see a concerned Pike because Pike like there's a moment where Pike like so in in the fucking uh, critical role campaigns, whenever there's something large, um, but maybe not as big of a threat, you'll hear um, Ashley Johnson be like, "It's a big boy." She says it's Grog in the show. I was like, "Yes, <laughs> thank you for just kind of sprinkling that in." I love that shit. It's great. Yeah. Um super happy about that. But. Uh, so you get that awesome backstory, and then you get her fucking like, like it's 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 very clear to me that the way that Matt kind of wrote the campaign for the characters was that as they're going and getting the vestiges, what they're actually getting is new stuff for themselves that makes them more powerful, mm-hmm. and that's a very video gamey RPG sort of thing. But it's in a show, so much fucking fun. It just makes things a little bit cohesive if you will like it's it's satisfying um when uh like when we get to the part where the sphinx says wound me right Mm -hmm. i kept thinking he made it very clear that his mate which i can't remember her name but the sphinx that they talked to that gave him Oh, Sissa. Uh, yeah. What was his name? Uh, Calaligiuri. Oh, that's right, because uh, um, Cammy or Tommy? He was calling Cammy, so maybe Cammy. it was Calaligiuri. Uh, when, he, when he specifies that Osisa is his mate and he hasn't seen her in like hundreds of years, I was like, the way that you're going to wound him is by his heart. I think it was the first time that like I think it was Grog tried to attack him and got bounced out by the shield. I think it was Grog that attacked me the first time. I was like, um, you're going to have Vax. To... Was it Vax? I couldn't remember I th- who attacked him I think him it first. was. I just know the shield popped up and I was like, oh, you're not going to be able to actually damage him. So to get this vestige, you're going to have to go emotional. And the fact that like when, um, why can't I remember his name? The Bard. What the fuck? Scanlan. Scanlan. Jesus. Uh, when Scanlan is standing in there, I was like, uh, wound his heart. And then he was like, oh, maybe I have to wound his heart. I was like, yeah. It's like, it's just, it's, yes, is it a little bit predictable? Sure. But it's also satisfying because the characters are so likable and lovable. Um, like, even Percy, who's this brooding, emo, pretentious kind of douchey guy on occasion there's still something about him that you are drawn to and um you saw more of that in season one than in this season but none of the characters are unlikable is my point and i think that comes through because the actors that played them in the campaign made them likable and so my point is is that it is so nice it's so nice to see a show that was written by voice actors that actually give a shit about the characters that they created that you can't help, but just adore them. So when a badass ancient dragon is going, I'm going to fuck you up because I can, you're legit concerned. 
you're like, I know that they survived to the end because I've either know the campaign or I've seen clips or something to that effect. You know, plus it's a camp, it's a D&D campaign. Like if a character dies, you know, that's that's a thing. But Matt is usually really good about as a DM like bringing the character back in unique ways, which yeah. I've seen. So but it's still you're still concerned. Like I don't know the story of Vox Machina that much because I've not listened to the campaign as a whole, but I know certain bits. So I know certain characters' fates, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just God, it's just so much fucking fun. Like, I didn't know whether Scanlan was gonna get be able to keep his vestige, that that sword. And yeah. uh And now we don't know where half of the fucking party is. They got split. Which is a bad thing in D&D. Never split the party. Ever. <laughs> it's a bad idea. It's always a bad idea so, yeah, there's just the party. Uh, there's... Especially when there's vampires <laughs> roaming about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know, just... Uh, I just love this fucking show. Yeah, really it's, it's so much fun. It is. It is. You know, and trying to stay objective when reviewing it is difficult to do because it hits on so many things that I love personally. You know, I love D&D. I love high fantasy. Um, you know, and when we play, we get a little silly. And this show does all of those things. And it does. Oh, they do incredibly too. well, and I fucking love it, you know. And this yeah. this season so far, all six episodes, I'm giving an A plus so far. This fucking, you know, what more can you say about it? Yeah, we give a rundown, hit on the big beats, but there's so many details that you pick up from watching, like the Craven Edge, how Grog in his simple mind calls it Cravy, and you know, he's like, "Feed me," he's like. I'm trying to, and he's trying to feed his own blood to it, and it's fucking atrophying his arm. And yeah. he realizes, oh no, okay, I'll get you some food from somewhere else. And, you know, seeing shit like that, you know, that's not, you know, really talked about in these write ups, little things like that go a long way into building anticipation and uh, adding to the lore and character development. It, it's just so much fun and so well done. And well, like one of the things about Vox Machina that's interesting as a party is that all the characters have somewhat basic backstories. You know what I mean? Like nothing too extravagant. You know, no, you know what I'm saying? No. Like, there, I mean, per, look at Percy. He's basically avenging his family. That's a lot of what season one was about was, his home was, his family was betrayed, taken over, and it was about him, you know, saving the rest of his remaining family, his sister, liberating his childhood home, and, you know, also overcoming the demon that had come to be within him in his desire for revenge, you know, that's 
pretty standard in a lot of lore in a lot of rpgs uh you know it's nothing overly complex but the way they did it was great shit you know uh pike her journey to fucking reconnect with her goddess because she couldn't feel the everlight anymore and you know she thought it was something she had done uh or something that was done to her but it was her own actions that had caused her to stray from the path and she had that realization to fix that repair that breach uh so to speak you know i just nothing outlandishly like oh i can't believe this what what i can't believe this you know we're getting believable backstories that you can relate to on some level in a lot of ways uh depending on the situation of course i mean yeah you know i mean we're not percy we haven't had murdered families and we're trying to retake our childhood home yeah yeah that too but yeah man fucking shows incredibly well done what i was gonna say is that um the uh uh where was i the thought i had about the characters oh that's what i was gonna say that's why i'm so excited for season two because they went a each actor went a completely different route for their characters in season two or campaign two uh the 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 mighty nine mm-hmm. um i'm super fucking excited for everyone to see those characters because uh, and the fact that they announced it oh my god it's so good so but yeah um well what would you what grade would you give these three episodes i already said a plus oh i didn't hear you uh same here um sorry i, mean, I completely missed you saying a plus but i must have cut out or something i don't know um it's okay but yeah if you're not watching Vox Machina, it's on Prime. There's there's a whole season one of, of 12 episodes and now a season two with six episodes. You got a lot of content to catch up on. And it is, if you even if you don't even know what the fuck D&D is, let's say you don't know what D&D is, right? You've never played it. You don't, you don't know how the mechanics work. Who cares? This is a fantasy show. This is an adult fantasy show. Think of like if Lord of the Rings was a little bit more crude and comedy based. That's, that's what I got for you. Maybe not Lord of the Rings per se, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about. So, all right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and move over to uh, episode three of The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of incredible storytelling, this was a masterclass and evoking emotion and telling a beautiful story and no fucking i'm not even going to fucking pull back or beat around the bush if i could give this yeah if i could give this episode higher than an a plus i would i think we're going to i think we're going to we've been doing this podcast for what six years now six five and a half yeah five and a half um we have never not one time out of all the shows we've given a pluses to we have never seen something as good as this episode straight up the whole season of last of us might not even be an a plus we don't fucking know this episode isolated better than anything we've ever watched 
I'm just going to put it out there. And it rivals some of the greatest episodes of television of things that I've ever seen. You know, uh, like last, uh, I, I can think of standout, standout episodes of Better Call Saul, which have been some of my most absolute favorite things ever. Mm-hmm. This is right up there with just how amazing this was. Yeah. Um, we're going to spoil the shit out of this. And we're going to talk about the comparison between the video game and this and why the video game works for a video game, but wouldn't work for a TV show and vice versa. As, as you know, if you've been listening, you're aware that this is a adaptation of an extremely popular video game from 2013. And it starts out in the present. We see Joel and Ellie heating Tess's final instructions and hike to meet allies Bill and Frank. And I'm not the only one that said it, but Twitter was blowing up with it. It's like, that's not 10 miles outside of Boston. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. I, I, I'm sorry. Um, I've never been to Boston, but I know Boston doesn't have Pacific Northwest looking fucking features. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. It's pretty, I, but it, you know, what's funny to me is like, I saw that a bunch too. And I just kept thinking like, that's your takeaway though. Who cares? Yeah. Who fucking cares. <laughs> you know, one of the things is nature has really taken over in the past 20 years since this fucking outbreak of cordyceps happened. Right. So yeah, things are going to change, but I'm, I know realistically they're not going to change that much, but if there were any gripe about this episode, that's the only fucking one you could possibly have. And it does not even kind it, of matter doesn't even remotely matter but on the journey joel teaches ellie about the government's execution of innocence during the early days of the outbreak and we see this in a flashback to 2007 um and in 2007 it introduces us to bill played by nick offerman um bill is what he uh, refers to is a survivalist. Um, and he has taken his, uh, from his secret bunker, observing the government rounding up everybody and hauling them away. Once they've done so, he takes his truck and takes his neighbor's boat and starts rounding up supplies, goes to a Home Depot, stocks up on shit, goes and turns the emergency gas reserves on at the local power plant. And you know, if it's just him, that shit's going to last him for years and years. Starts making defensive, uh, the, the defensive structures, fences, making uh, pit, uh, making pits, then covering them up with like chain link and mud. Uh, you know, making a makeshift uh, homemade flamethrowers at the base of the fence, electrifying the fence. You know, it's just he's really fortified this whole section of neighborhood that he lives in. And he's like, this is mine. And he shows that he can hunt and skin and dress out animals, field dress animals, grow his own uh, produce. And he's also a wine aficionado uh, and goes and gets 
cases of lime from the local winery. Um, and after about three years of this, or no, how long was it before Frank showed up? I guess it had been about three years. Three years. Yeah. It's three years. Yeah, the show says three years because it jumps. Yeah. It jumps ahead of three years after he's already fortified everything and been living there for a while. Yeah. So traps he, outside he, with cameras attached to them. And yeah. Yeah. It starts in 2000 in 2003 on outbreak day or a week after outbreak day. That's when it originally started. Then it fast forwards three years and we see Frank stumble onto one of his traps and Bill helps him out. And he's like, where are you headed? And he said, Boston. He says, Boston's that way. He's like, no offense, but I'd really appreciate something to eat. Bill reluctantly gives in and prepares a meal and presents him with an absolutely extravagant meal of roasted rabbit and vegetables that he had grown himself and then gives him some really nice wine and they start talking and hitting it off and you know they apparently share a love of music and food and eventually uh give in to urges and in a beautiful way uh develop a romantic relationship between each other and then you know several years later we see that we learn that frank's actually been in contact with tess over the radio and Frank and Bill enter into a tenuous friendship slash partnership with Tess and Joel. In the present, we see Frank's been crippled by degenerative illness, probably ALS or MS, uh, because he was just couldn't walk anymore. He's wheelchair bound, only had limited use of his hands, couldn't even open up like a Ziploc baggie to take his medication. Um, we see over the years, you know, this love blossom between these two guys. And then one morning, Frank says, this is my last day. I want you to give me one last great day. And he asks Bill to euthanize him after they marry. But Bill doesn't want to live without Frank, so he euthanizes himself as well. Um, Joel and Ellie arrive sometime later. They discover a letter Bill left for Joel where he tells him that protecting Frank is what gave his life meaning after the outbreak. Bill left Joel his truck and supply of weapons and anything else that he wanted. Joel takes the truck and sets out with Ellie to Wyoming to find Tommy. Now, that may not sound emotional, but watching it, if you don't shed a tear... Or three or more. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, holy it is fuck. one of the most beautiful and heart wrenching hours I've ever watched in my life. Um, Hour and 20 the minutes. Joke I had, <laughs> well, because 10 of it is in the beginning and then the 10 after. So it's an hour long of their story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, because, yeah, there's the hour prelude to Bill and Frank, and then the hour... What the fuck do you call that? 
ending. I don't know. It, it, whatever. Prologue. Joel and Ellie are at the beginning of the end. They're, they book ends their story. There's a prologue epilogue. and an epilogue. Yeah. And those are about 10 minutes apiece. So the story between Bill and Frank is, is about, about an hour. But they sandwiched in an hour what could have easily been two. It could have been its own film. Um, it is wholly different than the game. 100% different than the game. The game, the way that they tell Bill and Frank's story is brief, right? Extremely so when you interact... Brief. When you interact with Bill, you know, he doesn't want to help Joel. And there's a part where they see Frank's body hanging from like a rope tied to the to the to a, a beam up top or whatever. And Frank is or Bill is immediately taken back. To which Joel asks, Who is that? Frank responds with, He was my partner. And uh, when he cuts Frank down, he looks extremely upset, sad, uh, hurt. Right. And, but the words that he says, I, I, he never says I'm gay. He never, that never comes across. Right. And a, a lot of people I've seen say things that are like, well, how do you, like, how do you know that he was gay in the game? Well, it's implied. It's not direct because it's not a, it's not, it, it's not necessary to say it in that context. But upon listening to the podcast with Craig, Neil, and actually Troy Baker hosted, by the way. Highly recommend listening to that. Like, listen to that and our podcast back to back, because um, it's it's always Troy inter, uh, interviewing somebody, usually Craig and Neil. But um, uh, they talked about how they wanted Frank or Bill and Frank in the show, and the original like pitch or idea behind introducing Bill into season three was similar to the game. Maybe a little bit less action because, you know, you have to tell a story. You have to tell a story about love. But that's when it dawned to Neil, like, we have to tell Bill's story differently because it's a TV show. Mm -hmm. We have that option. We have the option to tell the narrative and the pacing that we want. And if we're telling a story about love, a, a, a meaningful aspect that Bill has to give to Joel of don't cut yourself off from the world. Don't become a curmudgeon. Fight for something that it means something to you. Find that connection to another person. That is told in the game. That's Bill's entire purpose of being in the game, is to tell Joel that lesson. Guess the fuck what? You did it in the show and better. Yeah, You did it in the show, but better. Um, I mean, in the game, you see Joel and Ellie having to navigate through a not just a street in a neighborhood, but an entire fucking town of booby traps and evading uh, these fucking cordyceps infected uh, stalkers, clickers, you know, various fucking zombies, for lack of a better term. Um, I prefer to call them infected because, you know, they're yeah, not infected. really undead. Yeah, um, they're, not, they're not zombies. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there are some very intense moments, like where you get caught in one of Bill's snare traps and you're hanging upside down, and your point of view is you are upside down and you have to shoot oncoming clickers before you get killed. That was hard as fuck to do. And the trophy, the trophy for that sequence is even harder to fucking do, let me tell you. 
<laughs> but uh, you got to headshot every single one of them in one shot. You can't have multiple shots. It's fucking. Ugh. But you know, it's intense, and then they go to find a battery for a truck. But the only battery they know, or the the way to make the battery, is to get components from the chemistry lab at the high school. You know, which leads to another yeah. big fight where they introduce bloaters in the gymnasium, and woo, we've seen an image of a bloater in a fuck in the trailer, and I can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, it's and then you know it's very different in the way the story is told, but it's effective. But that doesn't work for the show, and what the show did was just fucking so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so touch and a lot of people disagree that it's better than the game but i i honestly like i think it's more memorable i think it's more emotional i think it it works better in context to teaching joel that lesson than the game did i agree i agree and i loved in um, his letter he's like to whoever finds this but probably joel <laughs> he's like now that this is out of the way he yeah. never liked you but i respect you <laughs> We weren't actually friends, but kind of friends. Yeah, but yeah, I laughed. I laughed so hard at the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, and this yeah. after they after they both cleaned up and showered. Now Joel is wearing his green flannel shirt that he wears in the video game, and Ellie is wearing her red T-shirt with the uh, design on it, exactly from the game. So that's cool. Yeah, uh, both of them are in the exact same costumes in that in that scene. Because mm-hmm. it, it's it's very clear that like care to the to the game is painstakingly taken. But it's like you you can't like I'm so glad that Neil understands that you cannot tell the same story because Greg Matson, I think I told you this was going to tell like he's like I want to tell the exact same story on screen. And Neil's like I don't think you can. So I just did. Like, yeah, and this partnership between the two of them is paying off in spades. I know we don't do this, and I know we're not doing it like necessarily all the time or whatever, but I- I'm gonna give this show like S tier. Like it Ooh. gets higher than an A plus. Like it is on You know, I was wonder- I was thinking about that. I was like, do we introduce an S tier for this? I think we do. I think we genuinely do. There was absolutely not a bad thing about this episode. I mean, people, sure, they can bitch about, like, well, there's no episode Boston. I don't care. Like, if you're watching this show for the scenery, I, I, I'm i sorry. Like, it's great. Don't get me wrong. Like, watch looking at buildings that are de- de- decrepit and all that shit is awesome. But that is not what this show is about, nor should it ever be focused on. So, S tier. I assume you're also agreeing with me on the S tier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is going to be reserved for only the best of the fucking best. And this episode is just that. Yeah. S tier. Holy shit. Um, yeah, I just like completely broke expectations and told a story that I have never, like I've, enjoyed a lot of post-apocalyptic content nothing on this scale nothing 
This is this is new, entirely new from start to finish. The Walking and, and Dead need... never pulled off an episode like that. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. So with that being said, uh, we should probably wrap it up because I guess I got a little bit of time, but we did rush through those reviews. <laughs> I, we did. So I want to bring but... something up to you because I I don't. I don't know how you feel about it. I was thinking about adding the show um, Poker Face by Ryan Johnson. That's on. Oh, with Natasha Leone? Yeah. I'd be down for that. I, mean, I, I really, really like Natasha Leone. I really, really like fucking yeah. Ryan Johnson. So I got a soft spot for her anyway. All right. Well, there you go. So there's four episodes on Peacock right now. Okay. I'll get caught up on those, and we'll start reviewing it next week. Well, that's how they dropped it. They dropped it with four, and then I think there's eight after that. Okay. So 12 total, yeah. Um, but yeah, well, you know, I'm sure we'll have a little bit of extra content to review, but whatever. Let's see. Poker face. <laughs> Taser face. Episode one through five, because five will be out by the time we review it, so. All right, that's in my notes. So on that note, everybody, we're going to call it here. Um, next week, Last of Us Episode 4, which takes place in the, uh, if you know the game, it takes place in Kansas City. Which, Although in the game, it was Pittsburgh. Was it Pittsburgh? In the game, it was Pittsburgh, but they shifted the location to Kansas City. Huh. Well, if you watch the trailer which it's like a minute-long trailer to the episode. You know exactly what they're going to be dealing with, to a, to a degree, because I know it's not going to be just like the game, but it's not good news. I'll just say that. And the episode is called Please Hold My Hand. So I'm expecting another emotionally charged fucking episode, as we got in episode one, two, and especially fucking three. God. If there was ever an adaptation to break the bad video game curse, it'd be this. But we've had a lot of really good video game adaptation stuff here lately. So Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. It's February 1st. If we even get treated to any more TV that comes close to this good, holy shit, we're in for a treat this year. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a lot coming out this year that I'm I'm thinking is going to be a close contender. I really do, but we'll see. We'll see how that. Oh, pardon me, how that works out. So, um, but yeah, also Vox Machina season. Uh, uh, oh, I put season three down. That's weird. Uh, season two episodes seven, eight, and nine. Since I'll drop at the same time, which is honestly like one episode of other shows. Um, and then uh, Poker Face episode one through five, which is on Peacock. A peacock. Peacock. Uh, it's like it's like we've been doing this podcast for so long together. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to all that. I'm hoping Poker Face is good. I mean, Ryan Johnson to me has a really good track record. I I love fucking. Well, I mean, you you this audience has heard us fucking talk uh, talk up Last Jedi ad nauseum. Um, one of my favorite episodes from Breaking Bad is the one he directed, The Fly. Um, and I love fucking Knives Out and Glass Onion. So Ryan Johnson is is a fucking fantastic writer director. 
But you need to watch Knives Out. I know, I know. I just um, haven't made a real effort to seek it out and do so. But I can rectify that. It's I it's just, honestly like you could watch it with. Uh, I, I don't know if Madison would want to watch it with you guys, but because you know, she's a teenager and all that jazz. But she hates watching shit with us. Yeah, it's but, fucked up, man. It's like she will. I will try to get her to watch something that I adore from my childhood or from something growing up. No, I don't want to watch it. That's stupid. And then months later, she'll actually check it out on her own and she'll come in here crying. Like, I love that. It was so great. And I'm like, why wouldn't you watch it with me before? Because you're not cool, dad. Uh, Mom. Uh, Yeah, that's the thing we're trying to figure out. You know, sometimes it's dad, sometimes it's other mom. It's weird. I messed up right there. Like, I straight up, I said the wrong gendered name, and I was like, whoops. Whoopsie that's do. The thing. That's the thing, you know. That's something that we struggle with because it's like, what am I? I'm just a parent, you know. Yeah, gender neutral's parent for sure. But, but it's like, can you just call your parent parent? Like, you're not cool anymore, parent, and then slam the door. It doesn't. It doesn't have the same, you know, sting. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, man. Uh, uh I'll, I'll check of, it out. And see if she's interested. She probably won't be though. Yeah. Um. Well, the reason I say that it's like she could is because it is. It has like I think it's a couple rated R moments, but it's mostly PG thirteen. Um. So like. It's 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 not family friendly. I use quotation marks. You couldn't see me there, um, but it's definitely like not not bad. Like there's no inherent sex moments. It's it's a murder mystery. You just got some cussing, really. Okay, well she's so. used to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. So yeah, and an audience, if you haven't checked out Knives Out. Do that, and then fucking Glass Onion is on Netflix, so check that out as well. I don't know where Knives Out is at. I'll find it. I mean, I could just do that right now. Let's see. Watch Knives Out. It is on Hulu with a premium subscription. And everywhere else it's rentable. So that's a thing. You have Hulu, right? Premium? I do. Yeah. Well, not premium. It's part of my Disney Plus bundle. Well, you might be able to watch it there, but no, I, I fucking I love a good murder mystery, and that one just hits all the notes for me because it's also funny. It's got some comedic moments in it. But Glass Onion is is like the only the only character that comes back from Knives Out is Daniel Craig's character. character. And he's he's awesome. I fucking love his character. Um but anyway, so that's gonna be it, everybody. Uh, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. Um, that's uh, that's way at the bottom of my fucking list. Actually, I'm going to change this. So let me just say, check out our social medias. That's where we're going to add things to our list if we add them. We're not going to this week because we have three things to review, and that's just going to take up too much time. So, But go check those out. Go give those a follow. We should, we should upload certain things on there, but we never do. So, I mean, we're try. We're try. It's, 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 I'm busy. Um but uh, yeah, all queued up on just about everywhere. Search that. Follow us. We love you. Uh, check out the Teespring store. If you want some merch with our cartoon faces on them or the logo to the show, uh, let us know that you did that and we'll give you a little shout out. 
Also, all the proceeds go directly into the podcast, paying for services that we use to make this podcast possible. Um, I think I'm done promoting the YouTube channel. It doesn't really benefit us. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the links, the links there. You know. Yeah, that's part of the socials. So I think I'm going to take that off of my ending stuff. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Maya, where can folks find you? You can find me on Facebook uh, under my name, Maya Don Fisher. It's a public profile that is also linked to my Twitter and Instagram pages. So it's your one-stop shop for everything I'm up to. What about you, Greg? Uh, where can people find you? Uh, Chub Rock Geek under all social medias. Uh, I enjoy uploading clips of video game stuff to my Twitter Twitter handle. Um, and you can find some pretty funny stuff there. Uh, as for my TikTok, I'm going to try to start uploading stuff there. So we'll see, but... But yeah, that's um, that's it for me. Um, but yeah, guys, remember uh, episode four of Last of Us, episode seven, eight, and nine of Vox Machina season two, and episodes one through five of Poker Face. Uh, go check those out, um, and join us next week. It's gonna be a doozy. It's gonna be a fun one. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And always remember, fuck the GOP, fuck the NRA. Donate and help where you can. And we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.